What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Fitness Oracle. Now, you guys might have uh, guessed that we took a little bit of a break. I went on a little bit of a vacation just to get away from things and reset myself and get refocused with everything that I'm doing here. Um, if you have been following me on Facebook and my uh, adventures in Greece, I I am greatly and eternally grateful for you. Um, if you haven't, that's okay. Uh, sometime by the end of this year, something I'm going to be releasing something, uh, the entire collaboration of my adventure back home, me readjusting to my roots. Uh, in today's episode, let's just focus on today's episode. Uh, we actually sat down with Dr. Ho, and I'm going to most likely butcher this poor doctor's name, but I'm going to do my best not to. Dr. Jose Ricardo de Mello Brandao who is a family medical doctor uh, and he specializes and he works here in Midtown Toronto. He has worked for Doctors Without Borders for the for nine months in Africa, specifically Rwanda, Democratic Republic of Congo. And we go into some really deep topics. Um, now, I know Dr. Uh, Dr. Brandao, uh, he's a <clears throat> mainstream doctor. However, um, it's always good to get different points of view of uh, different uh, of the same topic. And I know um, just because him and I do not see eye to eye on some topics, it doesn't mean that I'm not going to be willing to bring him on again, uh, especially with uh, the last bit of the interview when he dropped a bomb on me and I was like well we got to get you back on here and we got to start uh, we got to we got to re look at this conversation because it can get a little bit deeper but <clears throat> in this episode we talk about perseverance and happenstance of driving your um, and happenstance of driving your life we talk about transitioning to a life in a different country we talk about going through hard times, and this is coming from a medical doctor, so it's pretty good. Uh, it's, 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 it's really good, really good, uh, really good info that he drops on us. Uh, talks about the importance of communal life, and he talks about working abroad. Uh, like I said, like just because he's mainstream and I'm not mainstream doesn't mean that we can't come to a consensus, and this, this, this episode proves proves to everyone that people sitting on both sides of an equation can actually sit down and have a decent conversation about certain specific topics. And I hope and I pray that this episode can prove that to people. That no matter where you stand on whatever topic it may be, you can come to a you can come to some form of consensus, and that is one of the big things that I pulled away from my little my my little vacation was the importance of being able to get the other side of the story, so you can come to a conclusion for yourself of what whatever that conclusion is. So before we before I keep rambling on and on and on and on about this, um, I want to ask you. If you're okay with the yo-yo effects of diets that simply just don't work anymore. Here at VO Fitness and the Fitness Oracle, we've created a foolproof 12-week system that will not only help you shed the weight that you've gained over COVID, but 
give you a blueprint that can help you move into a slimmer looking you. The best part is that we focus so heavily on the mindset aspect of your transition that when you do get the body that you want, you're going to love every inch of it. So what do you get with it? You get a 12, 12 week workout guide. You get a proven nutritional guideline. You get the full master key system, one-on-one -on -one support with me, a community of others that are there specifically to support and cheer you on and so much more. So don't wait any longer. Stop making excuses for yourself. Take control of the one thing that you can control yourself. Click on the link in the show notes and let's have a talk. I hope you enjoy this episode, but don't, please don't forget to subscribe. If you enjoy what we're doing here at the Fitness Oracle, please subscribe to our channel. If, and please hit the bell, hit the little bell. So, you know, when we're coming up with a new episode or new content, because we're doing a lot more than just episodes here at the Fitness Oracle. That's what we have planned for 2022. And please, 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 please share this with anybody that you know that may be going through a rough patch, uh, have, may have moved to a different location and knows no one, as it might help them find the community that they need to get themselves connected with so that they can lead a better, healthier life. If you are listening to this on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Breaker, or whatever streaming service that you use, please give us a five-star rating and a positive review as it will help us reach out to more people that are suffering from mental health issues. And don't forget to head on over to our Patreon page and sign in to get exclusive content that you just simply will not find anywhere else, just for a cup of coffee a month. It, you get access to our private Discord channel, monthly workouts, easy access to these podcasts, and so much more. Thanks again, and I hope you enjoy the show. I mean, I think the, the, the basis, first of all, is if you enjoy what you're doing, that's already a solid situation for you to start with because if you get stressed doing something you don't like it must be terrible but beyond that it depends a lot i think one strategy is to somehow get energy from the people you see i think it is important i mean at least that's the experience i, I built i think different people know their strengths and use their strengths differently and should be able to to play in life, let's say, according to what's given to them or what they can, of course, uh, evolve with gathering and, and, and learning and skills and, and whatnot. But for me, perseverance in life has always been very, very important. I always had this putting an objective in mind, working for that, taking my time, seeing uh, what's the best way to do it. And of course, not all of the times it would be even unfair with, with life and God and whatever, but I mean, most of the time I was able to, to get that. So I think being able to struggle to fight for what you want is very important. Even the, the, the present medications available through the, the standard uh, medicine, let's say many of them are uh, variations of things found in nature, if not most of them from plants, from from 
mostly from animals in different circumstances like this. So yeah, for sure the potential is there. Welcome to the Fitness Oracle, where we have real conversations with real people just like you, with real stories just like yours, and this is one of their stories. I am your host, John Gonzalez. My guest today is Dr. Jose Ricardo de Mello Rondao. He's born in Sao Paulo, Brazil, from a middle-class family, went to medical school at the University of Sao Paulo with residency in pediatrics. So postgraduate studies in adolescence in conflict with the law with a master's degree, health system, PhD, public health policies, postdoctorate at University of Toronto. He's worked for the Doctors Without Borders for nine months in Africa, Rwanda, to be more specifically Rwanda and the Democratic Republic of Congo. He now practices, or he practiced family medicine residency at the University of Sherbrooke for recertification in Canada. He now works in Midtown Toronto. He has a 12 year old daughter back in Brazil and a 14 year old stepdaughter here in Toronto. And he's been in Toronto since 2010. Dr. Brandau, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you, John, for having me. First and foremost, did I pronounce your last name right? <laughs> Oh, as good as it goes in English language, let's say. Don't okay. worry about it. Brandel would be a Portuguese sound. Forget about it. Okay, I'm sorry. Uh, I try. My Portuguese is terrible. <laughs> awesome. You tried my full name. I mean, you were brave. <laughs> so how are you doing? How are you uh, coping with everything that's been going on lately? Well, trying to survive somehow. It's... It's interesting because I had experience of reading more about how people were having trouble with the situation before it hit me a little bit. Eventually, you start getting tired of, uh, particularly my job, I, I see lots of people every day, right? And you start just calling them on the phone very rarely, seeing someone. And then you find out that your mood is changing a little bit. And... Uh, your behavior is slightly different. So you try, you start to realize how complicated those things can be. I try to combat it by doing things I, I like doing weekends, traveling, going back to Brazil a couple of times to see my daughter. I mean, trying to uh, renew my roots so I can cope with myself and, and my patients as well. That's amazing. I've always said that the one job that you could never catch me doing is being a doctor. <laughs> Why not? You guys, you guys uh, are unique in every single aspect of the word. Um, I work in a hospital full time. So I've, I see what doctors go through on a day-to-day -day basis and you guys go through a lot of stress. So how do you just deal with all how do you how do you cope with all that kind of stress i mean i think the, the the basis first of all is if you 
enjoy what you're doing, that's already a solid situation for you to start with. Because if you get stressed doing something you don't like, it must be terrible. But beyond that, it depends a lot. I think one strategy is to somehow get energy from the people you see. And it's not uncommon that you have patients telling you how important it was something you said, some kind of intervention you did, or just showing appreciation for your support, for you being there. Even on the phone, I had it so many times. So that nourishes somehow and help us to, to balance situations where we really get stressed. But otherwise, sometimes you just go home and you vent with your wife or with someone close to you or whatever you do. Exercise, I love doing exercise as a whole. So for decreasing a bit of anxiety or stress, it's awesome if you can run, just walk or swim a little bit. So those are the typical strategies that I use. That's cool. That's very cool. Um, now, my next question is because I, I personally know of a doctor from that, 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 uh, that was a doctor back in where he came from. I think it was in Pakistan. And now he's having a hard time finding residency here. So what barriers have you seen? Because you, you immigrated from Brazil to move to Canada. What barriers had, did, did you find with international medical graduates to face working as doctors here in Canada? Well, the barriers are numerous. Well, first of all, typically it's not very complicated to have your um, medical certificate recognized, but uh, if you don't have a residency here, or if your residency cannot be recognized here, which rarely is the case, you have to do residency again, which means you have to go through uh, quite a few different tests. Some of these tests assume you had a, a kind of a formation or you're prepared to have, particularly the practical tests were very hard to me. It's very artificial. It's not like a real encounter with a patient. Somehow I had the impression that the more experience I had, the harder it was to do this kind of test. So you have to get prepared, go through all the tests and then try to get a spot in the residency system. They have a system called CARMS that you have to apply. And then you start applying, uh, you, you make it as broad as possible eventually because you find how hard it is. You're competing with hundreds of other Canadians and, and, and non-Canadians or not really Canadians, but people who were graduated elsewhere in the world. So it's pretty tough. And eventually when you get to the residency and you think, wow, I've been through the hardest part, it's not really true because then again, even though I think I had prepared myself psychologically to, to be a student again, um, it is kind of hard. It's uh, every time you see so many different people interacting with you, so many bosses somehow, people that are teaching you, helping you out but we come from completely different backgrounds, different experiences. It's, it's, it was a tough time. And I, I went to Quebec actually, so I had to do it in French, which was an extra uh, factor, complicating factor for me. But I'm, I'm, I'm happy I went through all this and I was able to, to, to become a doctor here, which unfortunately is not the reality for so, so many colleagues from all around the world. It's really a pity. It's a, a waste of uh, talent and, and 
professional specialties it's 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 a bit of a shame the way it's so hard yeah i know i know i like from my conversation with this friend of mine um like we're, we 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 just lost a, a real good talent because he was a cardiac specialist so why have the do you think that the universities could work better together in order to get like talent from abroad to come here the thing is overall and, and i think that's the situation for most uh, brazilian doctors i know here in toronto at least when they are searching for a specific talent in one specific area they can offer you a special uh, certificate which uh, um, uh, it's not necessarily a temporary it's it's a university certificate that can bring you in into a job and you work while you remain in contact with this university normally or this hospital, you can practice medicine. So this is a very good way of collecting specific people to very specific roles or jobs. But when you talk more broadly about medical doctors willing to migrate or immigrate to Canada that have different degrees of skills, abilities, and, and, and expertise, and come through this, let's say, non-professional via. Although by, by the time I, I was coming to Canada, I was recognized as being a, a medical doctor was helpful to get points into the system. So somehow I was kind of accepted as a doctor from the immigration perspective, which doesn't mean you, you have a, a easier job moving forward. So this large group of doctors that could be doing a lot of different things in many different areas, I think those are the ones who find the barriers we, we talked about. Mm -hmm. That's cool. What, what was the driving force to free, well, not driving force, what, what, what triggered you to become a doctor in the first place? It's interesting because I can hardly say, because since I was a kid, I used to say I, I wanted to be a pediatrician. That's my, my, my souvenir of this idea. I, I didn't even have a, a, such a, a close pediatrician. I don't even re remember any of my pediatricians to say it was someone I admired or whatever. For whatever reason, I got it into my mind. I always loved being with kids. I did a lot of stuff with uh, kids and youngsters and, and generally speaking, but my my path into medicine was always this idea of becoming a pediatrician. And eventually, of course, during the medical school, I could have done many different things. You learn so much about other specialties, but eventually that's what I decided to do. And, uh, wow, and, and, and afterwards, with life and so many things going on, you move a little bit towards here or there. And I became a family doctor, even in Brazil. And then that's what I do here in Canada. So I like doing different stuff, but so I don't know what exactly brought me into this idea that I stick to it for so long. That's, okay. That's cool. That's cool. Um, a lot of people don't follow up through with their childhood dreams. I think mine was to be an astronaut. I can't remember. I know. I know. So that's what is kind of interesting. Have you, have you ever had days where you felt like just quitting? Uh, you know... I thought it was all the barriers coming to Canada and especially the, the whole environment here, the atmosphere you work, there's a lot of um, 
let's say, I wouldn't say pressure so much, but it's a different atmosphere than in Brazil related to your, your college, the way they, they look for your job, the way it's kind of easy of having a, a patient making a complaint about you. It's a, a bit unstable somehow. It puts you into a stressful situation that I started earlier than I would think uh, finding myself willing to at a certain point in time retire and, and do something else possibly. I still love a lot what I do. It's very uh, enjoyable most of the days. It's nice. But also somehow my, as a family doctor in Brazil, I had a slightly different experience. The program, they have a nice uh, family medicine programs in Brazil where you work with teens and you work uh, a lot into the communities. So you do clinical work in, in, in your office as, as it's done here, but you also meet people outside the, the bounds of your clinic and you get involved with other NGOs doing works for poverty and some other sometimes religious denominations, whoever has a hand in the community you're dealing with, you, you discuss many other issues. So it's more a holistic approach to health, let's say. And it's, it's very nice to be a clinician, but it's, I find it sometimes a bit uh, too um, focused because 40 hours a week, what I'm doing is seeing patients and, and trying to figure out what's going on and, and, and helping them out somehow. But I mean, there's too much of this clinical perspective here that would impact somehow my relationship with my job, let's say. Do you think our medical system here could benefit a little bit more from what you from what you just explained to what's happening back home, back in Brazil? Yeah, but people are aware of it. So there are, uh, they're trying to build a more inclusive system, a more horizontal system somehow, and and uh, legging into other aspects of health because we know that what we call those determinants of health, things that are related to our life, not specifically medical stuff, play a huge role in, in our health. So you have to be able to deal with this on, on a more uh, important way, putting more focus into this. So right now, for instance, here in Ontario, they are creating those Ontario health teams, which is a way of trying to increase the coordination of efforts among different uh, uh, medical providers in hospitals and clinics and, and different specialties, all this, to try to build more of a team kind of work because they recognize it is, uh, it's more effective somehow. So people understand that, I think. It's it just, we have to step by step try to change a, a mammal system, right? It has been in place for long, but there's certainly room for improvement, yeah. I totally agree with you. Uh, I think this old this old way, I don't want to call it old way. It needs tweaking. We need a lot of tweaking here. Um, and we're going to get into the communal life and everything in just a little bit. But before we do, let's get a little bit more into the background of of yourself. You didn't make it into the into university the very first time around. What did you do in order to get in? The second time. Yeah, that is interesting. By the way, that happened both in Brazil and here in Canada, but I had a completely different baggage when it happened here in Canada. But in Brazil, I was an excellent student at school. I 
barely had had any issue with tests overall, good, good grades, etc. So I was assuming I was going to get into medical school without any big trouble, let's say. And then um, the system is slightly different in Brazil, but somehow you apply to some different universities. And eventually I found, I applied just to a field because I was so so confident I could make it. And eventually I found out that I, I, I didn't make it. So it's, it was kind of hard. And at, at the same time, my dad had gone to the army when young. And I had also a kind of a plan B to go through um, officer's school where you can go, if you're planning to go to some kind of a university as a medical school, for instance, you can apply to this kind of uh, post. It's kind of a half military, half uh, some kind of work. It's, it's, it's not so, so tough as the usual army job. And by then I thought I would, I would enjoy doing so. I'm not so sure anymore. I think it would be more complicated than I thought. But anyway, that was kind of my plan B. And then I also couldn't make it as well. So within a couple of weeks, I, I had all my plans failing somehow. And I said, I must do something different. So the very first thing I thought was, uh, since, since always I had always thought about studying, I had the support of my family, I never need, needed to really work. But I said, you know what? I feel more comfortable if I can make some money. So my priority now is gonna be doing some kind of job, making some money, and then I plan how to move ahead. That was kind of important for me to, to regroup, to, to, to gather my forces and to move uh, forward. I, I think I, I felt I had failed a little bit. My parents, they were not never putting pressure on me or whatsoever, but I mean, I think that's a bit the way I felt. So by then um, I, I had some, some level of English. So I found a, a school of English where I, I, I became a teacher. I, I had some evening class, which by the way was a fantastic experience because I saw so many people that would work long hours during the day. People who would wake up 4 a.m. in the morning and by seven or 8 p.m. they were listening to me. I was a kid, I was 18. Some of them were 30, 40, 50 years old, trying to learn the basics of the language, dozing somehow during the class because it was just kind of too much for them to us. A very important lesson to me, but once I got this job, of course, I, I didn't make much money out of it, but it was important for me just to be working. I said, okay, let's refocus on the study again. So I made my plans and enrolled myself into one of those courses we have in Brazil to prepare you to the university and went for it second year was bumped that it worked nice very good very good um fast forwarding a bit what made you move to 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 toronto or like canada in general i mean a, a very simple situation i i i remet someone I, I knew barely from my medical school but a colleague that was working in Canada for a while, I had been separated by then, she was as well. So a woman brought me here. She had a younger daughter. One of us had to make a decision of moving to the other one's country somehow. And I decided to come. It was a good move, I find. Being, of course, still with her after 11 years almost, it's very special. That's great. That's great. So it's true, the grass is greener on the other side? Well, it's 
slightly different, I think. I mean, it was, you know, I, 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 I mentioned on, we, we, we first talked a little bit before how I, I believe, which is, it's amazing how circumstance in life can, can, can change and things can happen out of nowhere and uh, change your life. So I believe I'm much on that. And it could be either way, I don't know how, how things can happen in one's life. You cannot predict, it's, it's amazing somehow. So you do your job, you, of course you, do, you struggle for what, what you want, but then things just happen in a way that it's kind of unbelievable. How important is the struggle? How important do you see a, the struggle in somebody's life? Do, do, you, do you think like people should beat themselves up over it? I think it is important. I mean, at least that's the experience I, I built. I, I think different people know their strengths and use their strengths differently and should be able to, to play in life, let's say, according to what's given to them or what they can, of course, uh, evolve with gathering and, and, and learning and skills and, and whatnot. But for me, perseverance in life has always been very, very important. I always had this putting an objective in mind, working for that, taking my time, seeing uh, what's the best way to do it. And of course, not all of the times it would be even unfair with, with life and God and whatever, but I mean, most of the time I was able to, to get that. So I think being able to struggle to fight for what you want is very important. That's, you said something very important there. Uh, you said um, the whole point of the, the whole struggle was, is important. I find I found for myself that every time I find stru myself struggling, like it feels like, you know, the whole weight of the world is coming down on me and I, I feel alone and I feel separated from the world. What would, and I'm sure there's people out there listening and watching this that are, are feeling the exact same thing. What would you say to some, to somebody like that? That's just, you know, they feel like they have been separated from this world they don't feel like they fit in. They feel like everybody's talking against them. What would you say to somebody like that? Oh, a couple of things. First of all, I would say some days are better than others. So definitely there are days that you just have to, to go down your profile. I mean, step out a little bit from, from your situation, let it go a little bit until the, 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 this major force against you somehow or an event or something that happened, can you, you give it some time just to, to, to cool down. That's important that we don't try to, to face things every single day on the, the very same matter because some days are just, that's not gonna happen. I think that, that's one way of approaching this. Another thing is this is stepping out. This is more on a midterm, let's say if you want or whatever. You try to, 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 after giving it some time, maybe I always say important decision. This is an old cliche somehow, but I mean, you have to, to sleep over it. I mean, put your head on, onto the pillow. Don't, don't, don't make the decisions right now. Wait a little bit, see how your brain can help you further define what you want. And actually sometimes stepping out and, and trying different things. What if, and, and then thinking a bit out of the box, thinking other alternatives and talking to people. 
I know many times we feel uh, alone. Sometimes we don't have that range of people would like to, to have available to talk with. But if you can, sometimes it's, it's just marvelous how someone out of nowhere can say something that's so important to you or just open a door for you. Or that's why, how I think this, what I think a bit of this communal work or communal networking somehow, meeting people, it, it, it's helpful. So you can, and there will be times where we'll be the one supporting the others as well. So this is so important in life. Uh, we have to, to, to rely on that a lot, I think, during our life. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And like something like moving to a new country to a new, new, new culture is, it's very difficult for people. Um, what, just maybe we might be reiterating some, some steps here, but what did you do in order to help you acclimatize yourself to this new country that you moved to and the new culture that you found yourself in? Okay, well, I had a very special situation because I had a lot of support from my girlfriend, but then eventually my, my wife. So she was well established here in, in Toronto. So that gave me a, a huge uh, uh, support to start with, which is not what everybody faced. But then I had also things that helped me. I came to do this post-doctorate. So I had some, 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 some links. I, I always had the opportunity to, to make some money while I was, I was here. So I didn't have to, to use right away my, my reserves to do this uh, transition somehow. You have to be open to new situations somehow. I also took advantage of the fact that I had before worked abroad, had some experience with some different people, different cultures. Uh, all your, whatever baggage you have, it's gonna be helpful for you to do this transitioning. And you, you have to understand there are things that are gonna be nicer in the new place where you are and things you will miss from where you're coming from and vice versa, that, that's life. There's no one single spot in the world where everything is perfect. That's where I wanna be. I mean, it's, if you, even if you left your country without any, trouble with it, let's say, which is my situation, for instance, you is still anywhere, you can still make critique of how things are going, you're not happy with this or that aspect, and and it's like coming to Canada, it's it's amazing, such a developed world, there's things here that are just fantastic, so you have to enjoy all things and adapt to different circumstances. Yeah, it's easier said, <laughs> easier said than done sometimes. Uh, That's true. Do you find that like finding a community of like-minded individuals to help? I think that's what you basically did was you, you helped, you found a group of like-minded individuals to help you uh, through some work through some of the hard times. Uh, am I correct on that? Yeah, you were. And, and again, to, to, to put again this idea of uh, things that happen in life that you don't expect and can be so important. After I did my, my postdoctorate study, I was invited to, to start a job. So there were two, two guys who were responsible for, for this research uh, project. Uh, 
And one of them knew me. That's the one who invited me to, to join the group. And the other guy was the one who was going to interview me to see whether I would fit into the position. So I come to this interview. Guy's pretty nice. We have a, a good conversation. And at the end, he lets me know that he came to Africa in a, a place very close where I worked in, 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 in um, Rwanda. Actually, he was in Burundi, but it's the country next to the southern border, border of Rwanda. He had joined the group just one day after I had passed through the same town where he was. So he knew a bit of the story of my group working over there. And, and just by the fact that we both had worked for Dogs Without Borders created such an empathy, such a, a good atmosphere. And you can't imagine you ever be on the other side of the world coming from Brazil, Canada, sitting at the table with someone interviewing you for a job. And then you find some common path with this, this person. It's, it, it's awesome. So some aspects of it, again, bring you energy, bring you, um, it works like kind of a trampoline to say, you know what, Let, let's, let's keep on going. That's good, good stuff, good energy coming in and, 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 and you move on. But again, things might happen, might not happen. It's again a combination of things you're, you're fighting for and what someone puts into your path. Very cool, very cool. Um... Me being me, I'm I'm like the world's biggest introvert that you could ever meet. Meet. Uh, it's very hard for us introverts to be to open up to people, especially trying to integrate ourselves into society, to join you know our little tribes, if you will. What would you say to an introvert that already ha that already has a hard time trying to integrate themselves with society to join communities to become better versions of themselves and to help them get out of whatever you know stuff might be going on in their heads it's interesting it's 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 a challenge no doubt i think probably the the, the main idea that might drive these people out of their away somehow or out of their world a little bit is to assume which is definitely true that there are so many other people like you in in the world and and possibly around us somehow so what about trying to find someone like this that will also maybe benefit from exchanging life's experience with you somehow but the first step must be hard i guess I'm, I'm particularly quite extroverted. I, I can't say I, I, I lived through this situation as such, but I don't know, maybe technology helped us a bit. I think it's uh, through social media, through some other means, I think it became an, uh, an alternative way, at least if you meeting people or connecting with people, if it was so hard for you on a real basis, let's say on the real life meeting someone, especially depending on the culture. I mean, I come from a country where people are generally speaking, of course, very open, tend to be friendly. There's a lot of this cultural relationship going on and it's, it's slightly different, of course, here, here in Canada and in, in the northern countries generally. You have to try to find a way respecting yourself and going for things. If you're willing to do so, I mean, I believe there must be people who are kind of isolated, kind of introverted, but they're happy with their lives. I don't know, they do whatever for job or for leisure, for 
their family life, whatever they, 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 they are doing now, they are happy with that. I don't think you have to follow any specific pattern and, and, and do things you don't feel like, but potentially people can benefit, I think, from, from, from meet others. Absolutely. I just do it because it scares me. I like doing stuff that scares me. <laughs> I see. Well, it's, it's nicer than climbing the Everest, I think. That's on the list. I didn't say that wasn't <laughs> off the list. That's on the list. <laughs> okay, yeah, I see where you're coming from. Um, we live right now in a very upside down, inside out kind of world. Uh, do you believe that empathy, understanding and acceptance in today's crazy world? Do you think that this is one path that could help heal this rift that we're living in? I definitely do, although I think it's another example of things easier said than done, depending where, where you find yourself. But I mean, it's we've been seeing some examples of such a divisive uh, issue or societal div division somehow that's not gonna help anyone go, go through it. And yeah, definitely. Putting yourself into somebody else's shoes somehow helps you understand where this person is coming from and trying to be empathic towards this person, understanding. It's very important. Again, sometimes you won't be able to do it. It's just beyond your capacity of understanding because some of those themes can be so, I don't know, so different from what you think you believe at all. It's, it's kind of hard. But yeah, you have to go on this because otherwise I don't know what kind of world we'll, we'll become. It's a scary world if we don't. And, yeah. and um, I'm assuming that Brazil is somewhat similar to Canada where it's a melting pot and different cultures maybe. Uh, I don't, I've never been to Brazil. It's again on my list to go to. <laughs> I see, yeah, well, you should. I would say yes and no, because originally, yes, it was also our colonized country. So people came from all over the world. So our ascendants are really from everywhere in the world. But it was more a phenomenon that happened in, in previous centuries, mostly the 19th and 20th century. And, and then people got established. There's not so much of a, a stream of immigration as it's a continuous thing here in Canada. So you, you won't see that much of diversity as far as language and costumes and, 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 and everything that comes together with people coming from all over the world on a present basis in, in Brazil. It's, it's, I wouldn't say it's a homogeneous society. It's far from that. The country is so huge. So of course, you have also those um, waves of immigration coming in different moments from different countries, going to different places in the country somehow. So it's quite a heterogeneous somehow, but not, not so much as in Canada nowadays. In a big city like Sao Paulo, for instance, you want, as in Toronto, move a couple of blocks and hear, I don't know, half a dozen different languages easily. That, that's not a reality in Brazil, not, not even in Sao Paulo, for instance. Oh, wow. That's actually Sao, uh, Sao Paulo, Rio, uh, is high, high on my list. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, go for Rio. It's nature over there with the city is amazing. Yeah. Um, I got a quick question. I got a I got a question for you. How do you feel about natural medicine versus the traditional Western medicine? Let's see. You know, I'm so much mainstream. So of course, I have a very biased opinion about it because I kind of know my 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 current of, of thinking and I, what I studied. I, I I don't know much about naturopathic medicine or natural medicine to be able to make a very um, any sort of a statement. Let's say that takes into consideration exactly what it is. So it's kind of perceptions from what you, you gather from 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 people, a couple of circumstances here and there, I found it somehow different. I mean, we, as you know, you do those post-grad studies, you study so much statistics and all this stuff, you go through so much of it. You you, you tend to believe in scientific method and you wanna be uh, sure you're, you're telling your patients what has been shown to be as close as to the trust as possible through those randomized clinical trials or whatever you, you use to define things. So, and, and I find it, it's a completely different approach. But what I think matters most is the fact that if you as someone can find uh, relief, help, support, and whatever method might help you to, to go through a situation, cure a simple disease or go through whatever more complex situation, I think it's 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 interesting. I just think people have to have, even with mainstream medicine, no doubt, a lot of uh, power of critique. Be critical to the situation and think about it. Don't embrace anything you hear from whoever, and and try to make up your mind and, and make your decisions. What you're gonna get things from. So that's that's the reality I find. That's that's good. Thank you. No, that, that's really good. Um, I have a tendency of leaning towards the natural medicine stuff because it's been around for so long. And it's like, you know, my grandmother did this and I tried it and it works. And, and I know and I know in Brazil uh, with the uh, with the Amazon rainforest and it's such such amazing healing potential that that really has on on people like with all the different types of plants that are available for people, uh, I think it's just an extremely powerful, uh, powerful tool that someone can have. Oh, that's for sure. Well, even the, the, the present medications available through the, the standard uh, medicine, let's say many of them are uh, variations of things found in nature, if not most of them from plants, from, from, mostly from animals in different circumstances like this. So yeah, for sure, the potential is there. Great. Um, again, like I said at the beginning of the show, doctors have one of probably the toughest job in the world, trying, you know, giving bad news to people sometimes, giving good news to people sometimes. That's, a, that's the bonus part of it. But dealing with bad news, I've heard I'm not supposed to hear at work when doctors are talking to their patients, but it's kind of hard, like when you're trying to fix something and they're talking right over your shoulder. How do you deal with giving somebody some bad news? 
It's a pretty tough moment for us, no doubt. And by the way, working more and more with adults as I do here, I, I find myself into this situation much more often than when you deal with kids, right? And uh, you have to, to let it flow your feelings, I think, your empathy somehow. You can't hide that you've been trained up to a certain point to be professional, to know how to handle some of those circumstances, but you can't deny sharing your feelings, especially because they, they should be, and they normally are in, in my case for sure, the feeling of empathy, of trying to understand how tough the situation is for whoever you're talking about, either the, the own patient, the family's patient, etc. It can be very, very, very tough. You have to find the, the, the good words to do it. You have to find a good moment sometimes. Uh, you, you, you don't wanna get uh, rid of this uh, tough situation, go over it, say whatever. I mean, you have to live through it. You have to give it time to, to be able to, to communicate it as, as nice as possible somehow. That's what I try to do. I mean, being human, I would say, that's in, in a nutshell. Yeah, look, I've heard some, I did, I've never, never wanted to hear any of these conversations, just for the record, it's just lasting in my life that I wanted to hear, but it's just, I'm like, I, I hear some of it and it's like, oh, I feel so sorry for both patient, patient's family and doctor, because it's like such a, heavy heavy thing and it's just like okay how does this poor guy or poor doctor try to cope with all this stuff afterwards like we don't i don't think that we see that as patients we don't see that part that's true but it's still i think it's, it's still more heartbreaking what, what happens to the to the patient in, in this example we're giving right we, we become patients as well as doctors we also suffer all sort of disease and we earlier or later be in that position and we have to realize that. So that's very important. So we wanna make sure we communicate this kind of thing as we would expect someone to do with us. And, uh, but eventually, even though it might be stressful and, and, and delicate, you, you, you get out of the office or your hospital, you might still think about it because it impacts you a little bit. But eventually, that, that's it. It's in almost every situation, this situation, the reality for the patient, that's the tough one. He's the one who's going to have to face a cancer treatment or the loss of someone or, or a disastrous diagnosis and no cure for something, etc. So it's still the, the hardest part still remains with the patient. Well, flipping this on its head and going to a little bit happier place, uh you spent some time in rwanda now i can't say that that's one place that i've always wanted to go to but i've <laughs> always been curious about it uh, what was rwanda like hmm. well there are many aspects to what rwanda was by then the very first one i think is, is interesting i never expected that i mean you have this idea of africa being a a place uh, very hot and 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 you, you can't barely 
imagine a place like Rwanda, it's called or used to be called a, the African Switzerland because there are mountains everywhere. It's a beautiful country. Temperature is so mild, so nice. I mean, it's, it's a, a completely different experience that you might imagine, even if you have read about the country as I had before, etc. So this is this aspect to the geography, let's say, of the country. Um, more specifically, when I was there, I, I came, the civil war had not yet uh, erupted in Rwanda. It, the trouble was more to the south of Rwanda in Burundi. That's where they had the trouble. And refugees had got through the, 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 through the frontier and they were camping uh, inside Rwanda. So I went to work in one of those refugee camps in the south of Rwanda. Of course, there was a political unstable situation in Rwanda that after three months with the, the shooting of the, the president's plane and, and triggered all the, the huge killing that happened over there. It, it was it was on the first three months was a kind of a very nice experience. My, my first contact with refugee camps and how things uh, happen in, in a situation like that. So many great experiences, so much possibilities of helping people on, on an ongoing basis, every almost single minute you're, you're doing your job. And uh, one of the most impactful things I remember from Rwanda was those camps. They, uh, I had one camp that I would go most of the days and some of the times I would go to a couple of others, but anyway, they were on the top of a mountain. So you'd get to this place through those dirty roads going around the mountain somehow until you got to the top where the hospital in the camp was. And getting near the, 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 the hospital somehow where they were already camping, every single morning, the kids would run towards the car, would get there by, 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 by car. They run into the car, uh, stretching their, their, their arms and shouting something that was like, they said, which is something like uh, good luck or brave uh, white man or go for it, brave man, something like this. So that's amazing. If you imagine you, you, you go to work every single day and you're greeted by kids telling you, well, welcome, go for it, etc. So it was a fantastic sensation that I had every single day I was working. So that, that's part of my experience in Rwanda. And, and then it turns out to be that chaos. We had to leave the country within one day because the situation was too risky to, to remain there. And if eventually you see all those killings, you hardly can believe that human beings can do so. It's, it's you see the, the, the power of manipulation and how politics can play into Racial division are real. Racial division they create racial divisions. They, they can put into your mind whatever. So the stories after that are just unbelievable, and it's also kind of a, a hard experience also to 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 realize how common regular people, people who work together for even amongst our workers, we we heard stories. People we've been working together for for months or years. They they turn into each other and they can kill somebody else. I mean, it's it's unbelievable. So in martial life somehow, and that was uh, no doubt one of the greatest experience for good or bad I had in life. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
in 2018, I went to Cambodia and uh, I walked the uh, killing fields and the prison uh, S21 prison camp. And I was, I was just like, just like you said, it's like, how did this, how does this travesty even start? Like it's it just, it's, it's horrific. It is. It's 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 an unbelievable. I mean, this mean power that humans have sometimes of doing this sort of thing. It's just out of belief. But Doctors Without Borders is really, really is a great organization. Uh, I mean, I've, I mean, for doctors to go across to impoverished and impoverished nations and you know war-torn countries and try to help people that are hurt i mean it's i mean how can that be bad right it's a, it's a really great organization but it is a very highly targeted one by bad people out there they're trying to do a lot of harm and usually they ask for money to get the doctors back because apparently doctors whatever you have money and you know everybody's going to pray to get them back have you had any experiences with that kind of uh, uh right when you were abroad well not exactly what i would say about this a little bit is first of all yes i do think doctors without borders is a great organization they do a, a fantastic job overall but you have to be, and, and I, I know for a fact that in the history of Doctors Without Borders and in the history of any of those NGOs or, or programs that try to help people elsewhere, there are a lot of mistakes done. Because just the fact that you want to help people and you, you might be doing this out of the, the best of your instincts and knowledge and, and whatnot, it, it can be very complicated because the reality is, is more complex than, than you, can, you can imagine. I can give you a very simple example that I, I, I saw this going on where we, we were, and I think it's still, it must be still a bit of an issue elsewhere. You hire people from the local communities. You, you wanna hire as, as much people as possible from the local community because you wanna be able to, well, give them some power, profit from the knowledge they have of the situation. You, you come from abroad, you know nothing about what is going on, etc. The language there are many reasons for you to do so and it's absolutely correct and then you have to decide on a salary for instance so then you have a situation where let's say a nurse in that particular country would have an average salary of let's say five dollars a month which seems incredible but in some of those countries that, that's what they earn five dollars a month and you're coming from a place in Canada, I mean, I, I was with Dr. Vidal Borders from Netherlands, for instance, but it could be any of them. A nurse would make uh, four or five times this amount per hour, for instance. So how much do you pay? You pay 10 times what they earn. It's a lot of money for them. It disrupts the local system already. Every single nurse wants to work for you, of course, because you're paying so much more than, than the market. And people back home are saying, are you crazy? Are you paying just $100 a month for a nurse to work while they, they make 10 times more here where you're coming from? So it's almost an unsolvable situation. There's a very simple example, and there are so many others around that. In, in any case, it, 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 it 
put so much of uh, artificial wedge into what is going on that you have to deal with different things. So there is this issue of people more and more. And by the time I was in, in Africa, we are talking about 1994, was not so much a dominant thing that became much worse since then, which is you become a target. Because by then or up to then, you usually had two armies fighting each other, even if it was a kind of a civil war, it was group A versus group B, and you kind of could deal with the neutrality, you would negotiate with both groups. But nowadays, so many conflicts have tens of different groups fighting each other. I mean, they, they don't, you don't even know who they are somehow, and it's much harder for you to be recognized as a neutral power. So you, you became part of this, uh, confusion and chaos. And also it did not help, again, which is something kind of a more recent situation that doctors and army or Navy doctors are trying to work on this um, threshold of the army and helping the community as well. So what is the status of, uh, I don't know, a medical doctor from the American army working somewhere, I don't know, in Afghanistan, for instance, trying to help the local situation, but there's still wearing a uniform, even if they don't, they belong to a military group. So for a series of different reasons, we, we became targets. So more and more there are uh, people being, being, being hit abroad, uh, being it a foreign and expat or local people because they work for a specific organization that at a certain point in time is seen by allied to their allies or whatever. There's also this question of money, ransoms being asked, to, to, to people, so they started kidnapping people. So it, it became a, a blurred field somehow. It's, I think, compared to when I went to work for the organization, it's more challenging now, especially in some countries of the world, it's very, very challenging. Yeah, I've heard some real horror stories coming from some doctors that are just going to help other people just not die. It's, I mean, it's that's why one of the, organizations that I actually really do like is Doctors Without Borders. It is, yeah, I mean, I, I'm so much fortunate to have worked with them. I, I remember the day someone told me they had uh, won the Nobel Prize. I mean, it was such a good feeling, such an emotion somehow. And on a daily basis, you, you certainly as a personal experience is just unbeatable. It's, it's just something extraordinary. And hopefully you're doing much more good than bad. I, I believe that that's what, what we do or they do. But there are some pitfalls. It's, it's tricky. Yeah, usually everything is. <laughs> that's true. Uh, we're going to be wrapping up the show in just a little bit. And these are the seven or eight questions that I ask all my guests. And I'd like to get your feedback on these uh, seven or eight topics. With the increase in people suffering from depression, from the constant uncertainty that's that we're living in, what would be the one thing that you could tell them to keep their hopes up? Tomorrow is possibly better than today. Not always true, but possibly that's what I thought when I what I meant when I said some days you just let it go. Tomorrow you start it again. Keep keep your head a. a both the, the water somehow because help potentially can come. Uh, what's the one thing that you do 
daily that amplifies your ability to stay focused? I try to sleep well. Sleeping is kind of important and I have the benefit of being able to, to have longer hours of sleep here. I, I work lesser hours than I did back in Brazil. I'm also in another situation. I'm not on call anymore. It's, again, it's, it's, I feel happy to be in this situation. Sleeping is good and doing what you like. I like reading, for instance, so I, I read it. It gives me very good energy. Very good. Um, if you could pick up the phone right now and call yourself at 20 years old, what would you tell yourself? Keep on going. You're doing great. You're going to be all right. I'm proud of all the things I did. I think I did the mostly nice things. Yeah, I'm happy. I have no regrets. Just all you support. Well, you kind of answered the next question, which is looking back, would you change anything? <laughs> I don't think so. It wouldn't even be fair, right? You really, if you if you could do it, but I wouldn't, especially because it's nice to do great things, be not regretting things you did, etc. But I mean, of course, no one's life is perfect, and you do commit mistakes, you do things that you could have done differently. But that's that's how life it is. I mean, it's. What's the point of looking for perfection? I don't think it makes any sense. So no, I think it had to be done that way. Is that what I, I could do? That's what I did. That's it. What scares you? You know, maybe having a quality of life too poor on my final days somehow. Uh, I've been recently diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. So although I'm quite all right now, I know it's a progressive disease somehow. So you can't really forecast what is going to happen. So it's, it's a bit scary somehow to have to deal with this. Yeah, I'm sorry to hear that. And people still do wonderful things even with that, with that, uh, with that disease. So. No, no, no. Yeah, I'm hoping for I wish you. I wish you strength. Thank you. Where do you see yourself in the next five years? Not very different from now because I have my plans. I still have to work at least 10 more years, I think, until I'm able to retire. I'm so happy with my present life, with my family here, my, my job and my situation here in Canada. Um, I don't have plans for any huge change and I don't expect them to happen. I should be more or less where I am now, which is good. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, where can people find more about you? I don't know. Those days with people being able to Google whatever, I mean, who knows? I don't know. There's something about me on, I don't know. LinkedIn somewhere, good and bad things as, as always, whoever. Uh, and, and people get to know each other somehow, hear about someone and out of nowhere, you find out that someone knows somebody else who were a cousin of yours, whatever. Those six uh, links in life, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, any final thoughts? No, I mean, it's been a pleasure. I just, um, 
hope people listening to us can gather something interesting for their lives and uh, make it beneficial for their their decisions is just improve what they find about life overall that's awesome uh thank you thank you so much for coming on you're the first family physician that i've had on the show and it's always a it's always a pleasure to have uh doctors come on because i think like i said like i've always said um what you guys do is just remarkable and um you need to be a special type of person and have a special type of personality to be a doctor uh just because the the amount of empathy that you guys get and like i like i like i've said throughout the show I and mean, i've heard some of these conversations and it's i could never do it so i i applaud you for for you know for being who you are and doing what you do so thank you for that well thank you thank you uh, and I do hope to bring you on so we can talk more about the Parkinson stuff, because that's, I think, very okay. interesting. Okay. With pleasure. Awesome. Awesome. Going through hard times is just a test. What you need to know is that when you get out of whatever you're going through, you will be stronger than ever before, and you don't need to go through it alone. Always know that you are not alone. Stay tuned for more real people with amazing stories that are just like yours. Until then, to everyone out there listening, I wish you a good morning, good afternoon, or good night, wherever you may be in this crazy world.